Hello? Hello? It's all around us. Welcome back. This week we are going to be recording Moxie LaBouche from the Your Brain on Facts podcast about failed end of the world prophets and prophecies. And with me is my friend Eric Wojciechowski, who, as I was saying before, his name sounds like something out of a Lovecraftian book because it's just letters and things that it's kind of like this. What, what is your last name? What's well, got ski at the end of it? So obviously you're Polish. No. Right. And do you know the reason why we Polish put ski at the end of our names? Oh, God, here's a joke. What is it? Because because we can't spell toboggan. <laughs> right. Uh, you pronounce it Wojciechowski, but if you're going to go with the actual pronunciation, you're going to go with Eastern Europe, which would be Wojciechowski, where you pronounce the W's like V's. But we're American over here. So, yeah, Wojciechowski. And if you want to remember how to pronounce it, just ask me the question, where's your housekey? <laughs> Anyways, you invited me. Um, so yeah, you are here tonight because you write for Skeptical Inquirer magazine. Uh, you've got a couple of different. Well, you've got another book about to come out. We'll talk about that at the after the show. And uh, who else do you write for? You've got a variety of different people that you write for. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I don't actually. I'm not on staff anywhere. I don't actually write for anybody in particular. What I usually do is I'll choose a, a topic that interests me. I'll investigate it, write up my findings, and then decide, okay, who might publish it? And Skeptical Inquirer has been good enough. Uh, ben Radford has actually been good enough to pick up three of my articles. Mm -hmm. I've written for Skeptic Magazine now, uh, written for American Atheist, Free Inquiry. Um, I'm currently blogging for Atheist uh, Alliance International. And, so uh, you could see why I wanted you here to be a co-host for this particular yeah. episode. Yeah, actually, Skeptical Inquirer and Skeptic Magazine have picked up only my UFO-related articles. Huh. Uh, but but well, that, that's all I've actually sent them. So the good news is they picked up everything I've sent them. But it's only been UFO stuff, and one day maybe I'll tap out on that subject. Who knows? Uh, this is going to sound very arrogant and smarmy of me, and I don't mean it to. But you are one of the very few skeptics that I can sit down and have a decent conversation with and get along with because even though you're skeptical – you're not, I don't know how to put it, you're open for conversation. You're not somebody who's willing to shoot everything down and you can have a good time talking about these topics 
without belittling somebody for for having an experience or having a belief or something like that. You have a genuine open interest in this stuff and just talking to you in general is a lot of fun. You don't live too far away from me. I've come to a couple of uh, Hawaiian luau's in your backyard, which consists of a fire pit and a couple of tiki torches and a cheese tray. But uh, <laughs> you show up late. Yes, I do. I do. Come, come I, early, and you'll <laughs> the good stuff. You know, yeah, you're the first man that's ever said that to me, and I'd like to keep it that way. But anyways, um, <laughs> well, the reason why I okay, the reason why I'm I'm going to guess that perhaps I'm easy to get along with is because I actually take the term skeptic as opposed to debunker. Yeah. Uh, somebody who's a debunker, what they do is they've already had their mind made up about a certain certain subject, and they will attempt to destroy uh, you know, somebody's claim. You claim that you saw a flying saucer and these creatures inside the windows waved at you and then flew away. My job, in my opinion, is to try to explain that story. And if it turns out you really saw a flying saucer or creatures you know, waving at you, that's pretty fantastic. Um, but I'm not, I didn't, I You're don't You're not so that cynical and, about it either. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I will just say, I don't know. Some of my best UFO stories, Michael Schratt just released his his book and he's got some of the best ufo stories in there and every single one i read i'm like if that's exactly what happened i don't know mm -hmm. that's pretty fantastic but i don't sit there and read everyone and go well it's definitely a hoax it's definitely a lie is that because people have experiences they'll try to tell you what they what happened to them in the best language that they have and it's okay sometimes just to say i don't know and yeah, to move and on I yeah exactly exactly that's that's one of the things i 100 percent agree with in these topics but anyways, so Moxie did a show uh, on her podcast. It's called The End of the World Again, and it was entirely dedicated to failed end-of-the-world prophecies. Um, the one that comes most recent to me was the Harold Camping one of a few years ago. Oh, God. I think that was 2011, yeah. actually. And there used to be a sign on the main road that I live next to, which, by the way, if you guys hear hot rods and stuff in the background, they're having their dream cruise going on right now. My windows are open. I have a couple of fans on because, hey, it's hot as hell in here. And you're going to hear some cars roaring up and down the road. And there's not much I can do about it because I don't have central air in this place. And the air conditioner that I have is in the wife's room so she can go to sleep. Yeah, marriage sucks at times. But um, so anyways, um, yeah, so we're going to we're going to go in and talk to her about all of these different failed in the world prophecies. But there was a sign on the major road that I lived to that had it was a sign that Harold Camping put out there at the end of the world, what the dated time is going to be the day after we drove by it. Somebody had went there that night and spray painted fail across it in big, huge oh. letters fluorescent white with uh, I mean it was white with fluorescent orange letters on the inside it said fail all the way across the bulletin board or the billboard so yeah I'm, the end of the world in fact I'm looking at the, at a, a copy of the billboard right now a picture I should say mm -hmm. and it was May 21st of 2011 yeah and then when that failed they they changed it to October and then Harold camping passed away in 2013 without yes. ever seeing that happen so yes that sounds about right. I'm one of those twig-insisted mm. asshole, sick assholes that I want to be there when the end of the world doesn't happen so I can laugh at all the people that sold everything that they had and got rid of all their earthly possessions because they were convinced that they were going to go. And I want to be the guy. I know this is bad. This is really bad of me to do this. But I want to be the guy that's there going, ha, 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 
There, there are a lot of, of cases going back hundreds of years of people who followed movements and they sold everything off. They walked up to the top, the, the highest hill possible so they could witness Jesus coming out of the clouds yeah. And, yeah. and so forth. And then when that didn't happen, what's most interesting, and I'm sure we'll get to with Moxie, was how the majority of those people, they didn't suddenly go, it didn't happen. I'm going to go and do something no, they else. they still tried to believe. They double down. They double right. down. Yes. Every right. once, you know, you'll still hear people. There were a few people that were like, you know what? I think I was part of a cult. I think I was. I think I was let on, and part. And that is the one point where I I become torn. That's kind of like, okay, this person just realized that they were let on. Do I continue to laugh at them, or do I say, you know what? At least you had the balls and and brains to admit that yes, you were let on and you believed in something that was that was dumb. You know, or or do I sit there and continue laughing at them going, yeah, you're right, you did, haha. You know, it's the people that continue to latch on and continue to keep going that I really want to laugh at. I know that's bad. I'm a bad person for that. Yeah. So I used to, I, you know, I used to do that and secretly inside I do still do that. And sometimes on, the, on a certain occasion <laughs> on Twitter, I will still do it. But um, there are things I used to believe in mm -hmm. that I have changed my mind on. And um, I now – like for instance, I used to believe in the ancient – well, what they call the ancient aliens now. I used to call the ancient astronaut theory that maybe more than likely extraterrestrials came here and one day they will return – and they will enlighten us. And I used to actually believe that. I used to think that Sitchin, Zechariah Sitchin's work, actually belonged in the history section. Um, but now I've actually written articles uh, which – a complete turnaround that it's nonsense. It's actually wrong well, it's and I'm really so, sorry I ever believed that. It's all been so blown out of proportion at this point where anything that we don't understand, it's aliens. Like it's the meme. It's the guy with the – you know, the Giorgio meme. Aliens, you know, where – Well, think about it this – think about it this way. It used to be, we don't know where the wind blows. We don't know where, where the sun goes at night. It must be God. Mm -hmm. Well, now that we have explained all that, a lot of people will say that the ancient aliens hypothesis is actually a religion for atheists. <laughs> We've explained how the wind blows and where the sun goes at night, but we can't. Uh, we we don't necessarily know how these rocks were put together because they don't. Are they seem to be molded, and the, the ancient people couldn't have possibly done this. So it must be space aliens. And one day, because of the religious texts say so, they will return to save us. Yes, I mean, it's I just a, I it's, it's a new eh. savior type of thing. I don't have any problem with the idea that aliens did visit us at one time, but the problem is it was so long ago that it's not going to be able to be proven or disproven one way or another. So it's kind of it's a neat idea, That's but I don't That's correct. Yes. We're not going to be able to prove it or disprove it one way or another. So I don't feel like putting the energy that much energy into it. Now, I don't have a problem with it. I, I it's like, okay, yeah, I don't Sure. I, I, the idea that, well, you know what? We're, we're going way off topic. We'll talk about this another time on another show. Sure. Because <laughs> sure, we got to get sure, ready for yeah. Moxie here. She's getting ready to jump Absolutely. on. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Moxie about uh, REM and the end of the world. And, uh, you know, we'll see you guys uh, when we jump into the interview. Then we'll see you guys after the interview's over. So, uh, here we go. So with us this week, we have Moxie LaBoche, who is the host of the Your Brain on Facts podcast. I really enjoy your show. You've got a dry wit and sense of humor to you that I really embrace. When I record my own solo stuff, I try to use a lot of that same humor myself. 
Um, your show is about a half hour long. You bounce around all over the place with sometimes some really crazy topics, really cool topics. It's a really fun and informative show. And uh, I believe you sent me an email saying, hey, are you interested in collaborating? And since, well, I don't have many friends, I said, hell yeah, I am. After I listened to your show, I said, this is great. So welcome to Project Archivist. <laughs> How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. No, it's it's great. And uh, I enjoy your show a great deal, too. Uh, just before we recorded, I was listening to uh, the episode about the Santa Muerte. Oh, thank uh, you. Santa Muerte um, worshippers. Uh, I got, in, got interrupted during it, and I really look forward to finishing that one. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, you did a show that particularly struck a chord with me, which is Failed End of the World Predictions. With all of the COVID stuff going on right now, people losing their shit, actually quite literally in some cases, I thought it would be really cool to cover that topic. Now, since the initial outbreak of COVID and everybody being under quarantine and everybody panicking, things have lightened up a little bit because people are going back out in public. You've got the idiots that aren't wearing the masks. You've got, you know, everything going on with all of this. It, it's not as much that it lightened up as that we got bored. Uh, just as we do with everything we wage war yeah. on, the war on drugs, the Vietnam, you know, just after a while, we're like, this is expensive and inconvenient. Let's pretend it's not happening anymore because our numbers are far worse than they were when we locked down in March. Yeah, I think everybody wanted like the stand to happen. And when it didn't happen and when people weren't dying in mass huge numbers and chaos wasn't ensuing it's like you said people got bored and they kind of it seems like everybody just got kind of pissed off like oh this wasn't the apocalypse that we were promised well crap you know yeah, so they, they were waiting for the apocalypse where they get to shoot their neighbor in the face not yeah. the apocalypse where they have to be decent human beings and courteous to one another exactly they have not been prepping for that no and i was i was looking forward to going on toilet paper raids with my mad max apparel on you know and uh it, it just never really seemed to happen that way but you know it's it's if time it will does tell. come to that if it does come to that, be sure you're also gathering up uh, feminine products because you will be able to lure in a large harem because no one else will think about stealing maxi pads. Yeah, but I'm not really and sure if I, I want to lure women in at that particular time. That's the problem. Uh. Well, keep your options open. <laughs> hey, hey, Ro, I can't stop thinking. Wait, of wait, 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 wait. Humongous magazine or uh, mask, and I just take it out of my head now. I'm just like, just walk away, walk away from the roles of Charmin, walk away. I can't get past that. I... <laughs> yes, anyhow, you were saying, Moxie. <laughs> I was, yeah. I just occurred to me, I might have misinterpreted what you said. I assumed you meant that you don't want to lure women in during the fiery apocalypse and then i'm like no he probably just means he doesn't want to lure in women who are on their period yes in time of need of feminine that's, products that's that's a bad time to lure women in for for a variety of reasons but i don't know if we should quite go that far but uh i'm still stuck on lord humongous magazine actually <laughs> yeah well, so, i'm looking at a just walk away and there will be an end to the horror. So let's start with failed end of the world predictions and prophecies and so forth. Where do you, uh, since it was your show, where where are you comfortable jumping into this topic? How about with a chicken? You, we got to kick it off in a really zany way, and you can't get much zanier than the prophet hen of Leeds. Mm-hmm. Though the hen, it must be said, is rather blameless, and if anything, the victim of this entire situation. Yeah, this was an unusual story. This was the story of the hen that would lay the prophetic eggs saying that the end of the world was coming and they would say Christ is coming, but they didn't have the H in Christ. Correct? Yeah. I mean, spell check hadn't been invented yet and it's not available in chicken asses anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
extra crispy and deep fried. You have to download a patch for that. So tell us the story of this remarkable chicken that pooped out prophetic eggs. <laughs> well, the key thing about the prophet hen of Leeds was that she belonged to a woman named Mary Bateman. Now, Mary Bateman had begun life as a serving girl when decided this is going to take forever to accumulate any wealth and started stealing, was promptly caught and sacked, and then took up being a teller of fortunes and seller of potions and just flat out con artists, like raising money for a family that had been burned out of their house and then keeping the money for herself. So she had uh, a reputation about town, which is what makes me wonder about the townsfolk that when this chicken she owned began to lay eggs with doomsday messages on it, that they didn't be like, didn't you rob me last week? You know, <laughs> I'd be skeptical is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, what Mary Bateman was actually doing was she was painting these little messages on the eggs with vinegar, with a very concentrated vinegar. Vinegar is acetic acid, and eggshells are made of calcium carbonate. Vinegar, if you uh, had a middle school science teacher who like put an egg in a jar of vinegar for a couple of weeks, uh, vinegar dissolves the calcium carbonate, leaving calcium acetate, which is very easily rinsed away. So if your teacher did that science experiment, you might remember that the eggshell basically just went away. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the same principle was here. She would paint the message on there, let it sit and percolate and then rinse it off. Now, here is the absolute bonkers part of the situation. She put the eggs back into the chicken <laughs> so that they could then be laid in case anybody wanted to witness it happening, I suppose. Again, mm -hmm. just guessing at her motives there. But yeah, that's that's the bit where, where even I have to sit up and take notice when she put the eggs back into the chicken. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> what interests me most about this story is that you were mentioning that she was sort of known around the neighborhood for doing sort of uh, odd things and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's interesting about a lot of like prophets and so forth is that as much as they fail, a lot of people still hang on to them. So if she's doing certain things that aren't, you know, that, that great or something like that or aren't coming true, the eggs thing would just be sort of like, well, maybe this is the real thing. Because a lot of these prophets or magicians and so forth, especially the ones in India, when they actually start doing something, they, they get caught with trickery, they'll use it as a, well, I had to do that because the thing, this wasn't in line or that wasn't in line or that wasn't working, but this here, I promise you, is real. So I'm thinking more in terms of the townspeople, the reason why they might have bought this one, as opposed to catching her being a crook in other ones, seems to be par for the course with people like this. Well, and they did continue to trust her to some extent for a few more years, uh, because she uh, Bateman was hanged in 1809, so three years after the chicken incident. Not for the chicken stuff, because f fake doomsday prophecies were not against a law she was uh working as a healer is not exactly the right kind of apothecary well, she was sort witchcraft, of wasn't she wasn't it witchcraft that she was hung for yeah but uh, a couple had come to her um that seeking healing and she made them sicker or possibly was the reason they were sick in the first place uh the wife died and then the husband figured out what was going on 
and went to the police. And uh, so that was when Bateman was arrested. And she tried to claim that she was uh, pregnant to stay her execution. But they had her examined by a dozen matrons who said, uh, no, she's lying about that, too. Uh, so so they, they nicknamed her the Yorkshire Witch and hung her by her neck until her feet stopped kicking. She claimed that she was the seventh child of a seventh child, which immediately... Which is I, good luck. Yeah, I, I go to an Iron Maiden song for some reason. But um, and, and, uh, she, she said, it's like she, yeah, she claimed that she was a witch and she was the seventh child of a seventh child. And she was capable of screwing down and doing, which is supernatural binding and um, all of these fantastical things. And she could read the stars and so forth. So even besides the fact that she was reinserting chickens into a chicken's rectum, damn near killed him. Um, she also God, um, <laughs> great minds. Um, so she was she was an indiv- just an interesting individual on her own. Just besides that, but the the idea of painting on eggs and reinserting them into a chicken, and then people seeing these chicken the chicken lay the eggs, and therefore therefore prophecy. I mean, really, for its time, that's pretty forward thinking. That that was a, as far as scams go. That's a pretty interesting idea. It was very clever. It yeah. was definitely unique, and it was really far above, like you know, uh, her scam collection or Rolling Johns or you know, fake medicine stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, th- there was definitely some lateral thinking involved here. This was early eighteen hundreds, right? Two hundred uh, years ago. Yeah, eighteen oh six was when when the chicken thing happened. Okay. All right. I was thinking maybe possibly 1600s. Wasn't that the witch trials? 1600s? So this is like 200 years after that. And yet we were still hanging witches. I mean, we'll still do it, just speaking worldwide, these days. I mean, there was the the story out of Nigeria a few years back where a goat was arrested because they believed the person they were chasing (laughs) turned into a goat to try to escape the police. So, so. Uh, yeah, just just because electricity came along doesn't mean that uh, we got any more sophisticated. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's go to, um, how about Jonah Southcott, the woman who was essentially selling tickets into heaven? Well, she wouldn't be the first person either. There was a Florida couple, shocker, uh, who were arrested for selling uh, golden tickets to heaven. What they were actually arrested for was uh, misrepresenting the fact that they were gold not misrepresenting the fact that they were tickets to get into heaven. I always thought that was uh, a fake story. I thought that was just one of those fake news stories that was floating around out there. That actually did happen? Well, I mean, if I have to go... I mean, if you don't know, that's okay. Now you've raised raised doubt, and I would have to go back and double-check my sources. That's the tricky thing with stories out of Florida, because so much bonkers real stuff oh, comes yeah. out of florida yeah. that when you make up make up stuff you're hard pressed to make up stuff that's more outlandish that was than the truth. and amanda watts i believe that's who it was and that was back in march of 2015 and i think they were I, I, yeah i believe that was a hold on let me check here in a second not to put you on the spot, because if you, I, I can totally see where you're no, coming I, from. There's so much crap that comes out of Florida. I never had a problem being corrected. I, in fact, uh, like being corrected because it means that I that's that's learning right there, and I like learning. The, according to Snopes, was a couple arrested for selling golden tickets, golden tickets to heaven. By the way, have I introduced you to my Lord and Savior, J.R. Bob Dobbs, of the Church of the Subgenius? But um, couple was arrested for selling golden tickets to heaven. It reports that two people in Florida were arrested for selling golden tickets that guaranteed the holder's entrance into heaven were fake news, which is false. Two people in Florida arrested for selling gold tickets on march 31st of 2015 the website stupid stupid s-t-u-p-p-i-d published an article reporting that two people were arrested in jacksonville florida for selling golden tickets that 
guaranteed the holders' interest to heaven upon their demise. Tito and Amanda Watts, yep, were arrested over the week. Because we covered this on the show, and somebody sent me a scathing letter saying, that's fake news, you guys shouldn't be covering that shit, uh, over the weekend for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people, the couple who sold the tickets on the street for $99.99, hey, that's under 100 uh, per ticket, told buyers the tickets were made from solid gold, and each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at a pearly gates, and you're in. People can sell tickets to heaven, and Jack's, a Jacksonville police spokesman said, but Watts misrepresented their product. The tickets were just wood, spray-painted gold with Ticket to Heaven Admit One written on the marker. You can't sell something as gold when it's not. That's where the Watts crossed the line and doing something illegal. Many readers shared the above-referenced story via social media, apparently believing the two people named Tito and Amanda Watts were actually arrested for perpetuating, perpetrating this form of scam. The report, however, was just another fabricated clickbait tale from fake news site. Stupid.com's disclaimer advises reader that the site publishes the stupidest, craziest stuff we can find. No, sir, I do that. And the stuff they find is typically made up by, by them. Popular post hoaxes from the stupid include reports of Nazi couple accidentally receiving sperm from a black donor, a 14-year-old girl's giving birth to Jesus. Hey, I need to research that story. And a toddler being thrown from a roller coaster. A photograph of Tito Watts was accompanied by an original article, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it actually, it didn't happen. But that's the problem with a lot of these because you look at that and you go, yeah, I can see that happening, especially in Florida. But yeah, anyways, so uh, well, back to well, the- look, look, y'all, if you don't <laughs> want us to be so fast, Florida, just you and me right now for a moment. Slow your if roll. you don't want us to be so quick to assume that all this stuff we hear is true, stop robbing liquor stores with crocodiles. OK, stop. Just stop being quite as much Florida. As you've been, you know, and then maybe we'll we'll pause a minute when we see ridiculous shit like this. But no, up until now, it just seems really, really plausible. And it, it it's not the people of Florida's fault as much. Um, arrest records are public in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. which is why it seems like we hear all the, the zany crimes coming out of Florida. It's just because we have access to that information more so than from other states. I mean, it is, again, a state where someone, a drunk man, tried to give a taco in place of his driver's license. How many how many tickets were sold into heaven? Do, do we know? Is this Willy Wonka we're talking about here kind of thing? Or no, it, well, since this is a fake article, it doesn't actually say how many tickets were sold. But uh, I was just wondering if they threw a number on it. You know, we've overlooked the greatest villain in literature, which is Grandpa Joe. <laughs> who laid on his ass, getting bed sores, letting his his daughter-in-law wait on him hand and foot like he was an invalid until something good happened. And then all of a sudden he jumps right up out of the bed. Oh, yeah, no, go give me some of that chocolate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In fact, I think he was dancing. Oh, and yeah. he ended up flying, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> his original job was the guy that screwed the caps onto the toothpaste until his job was replaced at the factory. Why do I know this? Wow. So I don't know, on. but I, I can add something else to your brain. Oh, yeah. No, no, sure. moving on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have derailed us. We are off with the rails. Uh, if you look it up on YouTube, you can watch Roald Dahl, the uh, beloved children's author, say Hitler didn't hate the Jews for no reason. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Now yeah. I can't watch that movie anymore, Gene Wilder. <laughs> He's been tainted. Wow. I, well, I mean, mm. Roald Dahl's not going to get any money off of it. You might as well. Or just bootleg yeah. it. Just don't <laughs> Jonah Southcott. <laughs> Focus well, people. I was stalling because I don't have a lot about Southcott. Southcott was my my um, my framing story, mm-hmm. so it's just like one little paragraph at the start, one little paragraph at the end. So I don't have a lot about her. I was stalling. 
But that's all she did was basically she was selling tickets to get into heaven or something like that. Sure thing was um, her big thing was she said she was pregnant. She she was supposed to be giving birth to the to the Messiah or something like that. Wasn't she like sixty nine years old or something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, she was she was she was uh, sixty four years old, um, claiming that she was going to give birth uh, to the Messiah. Very specifically on October 19th, uh, 1841. So those of you who are big into astrology, I think that's a Scorpio, is it, maybe? I don't know. I don't care about astrology. But (laughs) what what Jesus' star sign would have been if Joanna Southcott uh, hadn't really known what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting is you think that she would have sort of tried to throw it into Pisces because of the whole fish thing. Yeah, there's two fishes there. Yeah. Uh, She's missing an opportunity, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that would have been lost on people. I, I don't think, I, and I think you ever been like super duper clever and nobody notices it, and you know that seething disappointment. Yeah, that, that, that explains my entire Twitter feed being generally crickets. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, you want to be clever like, tonight? No, I'm not. <laughs> you heard that, right? You heard the thing, the funny thing yeah. I just said, the thing, the thing <laughs> right. I just said. You know, and yeah, I, I I can remember like a story I wrote. 10, 15 years ago, I had one sentence in it that I was super proud of that nobody ever commented on. I'm like, are you kidding? That was literary gold. Yeah. Yep. No, I've been there. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was, it was specifically the, uh, describing a, a bar with the phrase, the yeasty yellow smells of beer and urine. And I like, I took off work early that day. I'm like, I deserve it. You know, as a as a writer, I'm going to compliment you. That is good. Thank you. <laughs> that is really good. I will say, in her defense, she had a medical condition that made it appear she was pregnant, or something along those lines. So she was able to propagate this myth for as long as she possibly could, and she didn't. She died pretty much after that. But she was known for. Uh, she was another shyster that was known for these kind of crazy scams and things like that. Um, she, um, also did this other thing. I can't remember exactly what it was, but she, she sold like one, the the thing was, is, um, she sold these tickets. And if you bought one of these tickets that would ensure your place as holders of a ticket of 1,004, no, 144,000 people were only be allowed into heaven. And if you had one of these tickets, then you would be able to get into heaven if you had one. I think that was what the whole thing was. And she also was like, um, she was going to be giving birth to the child. So she had this pregnant condition or this condition that made her look like she was pregnant. So people were like, oh, well, she's pregnant, obviously. So she's going to be having the Christ child. So why wouldn't I want to buy one of these tickets to be one of the 144,000 people who gets into heaven? Which to me sounds very Jehovah's Witness-esque. Like I, I think Jehovah's Witnesses, their religion. Oh, were, they, were they the ones where they had a, a finite number of people who were going to get into yeah, heaven? Yeah, I can never remember which, yeah. Yeah. I never remember which group it was. Yeah, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. God, I feel like we're on South Park when they do the whole skit about the Mormons. No, the correct religion is Mormon. Sorry, nobody else gets into heaven now. But um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> we're all going to go to hell now. So where do you want to go Have you ever seen here? the fabulous Rowan Atkinson live uh, special? And he has this uh, welcome to hell bit. It's it's kind of a one-man show, but there's some sketch sketches that is not I can't say I have, in. no. Oh, okay. Again, hop on the YouTubes, Rowan Atkinson live. It's amazing. And so he's just the devil with a clipboard greeting the the newest busload of people who have arrived uh, in hell, sorting them into groups, giving them, you know, sort of the the uh, orientation is the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The whole special Rowan Atkinson live. It's great. So where do you want to go now? Why don't we go for something uh, a little uh, closer to home, as it were, one of the more modern uh, takes 
would you like to talk about uh, Heaven's Gate or uh, what's it called? I Family would, Radio. Certainly. Yeah, that, that's that's the most recent one. We were just talking about that before we started recording, actually. So, uh, yeah, go right ahead. Well, that is the one. Um, I don't know the age of the two gentlemen with which I'm recording uh, this evening, but that is the, the we're one both from close to 50 or 50. We'll say that. Oh, thank Christ. Boy, this I, is a refreshing I turned 50 change this year. Yeah, I turned 50 this year. So, well, Mazel Tov. I, I this is like the first time in a long time I have been the youngest person in the room uh, at 41. I'm just I've stopped even making references because I just know they're not going to land anymore. <laughs> just, like, like what you didn't see that show. Look at you. You're, you were born after I graduated high school. Jesus Christ. You know. But uh, yeah, so so the big one from from our lifetime would be the Heaven's Gate cult. And for some reason, I almost said Branch Davidian. And that is a whole separate herring barrel right there. <laughs> um, where they believed that they would leave their earthly bodies to ascend to a spaceship in the tail of the Hale-Bopp comet. Because the two founders of the Heaven's Gate group, I'm trying not to say the word cult as much because it has such a negative connotation. It's like manifesto. You've never heard of anybody mm. with a with an upbeat, positive manifesto. It's always a bad thing. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, the the two people who formed this this group, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, who changed their the names they were called to Bo and Peep in the seventies for what I'm sure were reasons, and actually managed to develop a following. For example, they want, went into uh, one small town in Oregon to give a lecture about how UFOs were going to make contact with the human race, and 20 people packed up and left with them, mm-hmm. which wouldn't would be much in a major city, but this was a little podunk town, so that was about one out of every 30 people said, yeah, yeah, these, these UFO folks sound like they got it going on let's go with them well can, uh, yeah can, can, can you imagine that literally you, you somebody comes into town the first time you see them and you, you're like yeah i'm going to go but if you read the new testament that's exactly how the apostles are described as jesus comes and says a few words they're like okay we're with you and they go along all the way up to the crucifixion and after so it's an interesting parallel here that that's exactly what happened to bone pete with their followers i've got to have to such a hard time not describing the apostles as a cult when talking to my Catholic mother. <laughs> well, for putting this idea into my head. The difference between religion and a cult is the number of members. <laughs> that's that's true. Basically, basically yeah. I mean, a cult just is, is a particular mm-hmm. definition of a religious group. It doesn't necessarily mean something nefarious is going on. It just means it's kind of about this size. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, Christianity, not to get too much off topic, but it started with 12 guys and, and a leader and went from there. So, you know. But did they have to get castrated? Because, you see, that's what yeah. happened in Heaven's Gate. Uh, yeah, they, they also had black tennis shoes and the whole, yeah. Right. Like jumpsuits, yeah. The, the, pur- <laughs> the purple track suits and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so so they, they had all of the what we think of as cult like behavior where they are separated from friends and family and anyone who disagrees with the group and told that, you know, only the group understands them. Uh, all of their money and property either goes to the group or is just gotten rid of. Their diet was tightly controlled. They did uh, the master cleanse, which is the um, lemon juice, cayenne pepper and maple syrup concoction that does nothing 
people <laughs> who find this on the internet who can because a new a new crop of people falls for this every couple of years. You don't need to cleanse. You don't need a detox. That's what your liver is for. But Just you do need salad, to get castrated. You'll be fine. If you want to get into heaven by way of the spaceship, then uh, the next level being a genderless plane, uh, you did have to be castrated. I don't know the degree to which they were castrated. I don't know if they were gelded as well. I'm sure somewhere there is a book where the author wishes he didn't have that information. <laughs> well, th there are, I, I believe, at least a couple of people who did not join them. They, they were part of the group of Heaven's Gate, but they did not join them in this afterlife thing. So they yeah, have they probably done enough interviews to describe that. Yeah, they have probably described that. I, I'm not privy to that information, however. Yeah, they were actually their webmasters because one of, one of the ways that the group made money was making web pages and, mm. and offering it's still internet there. services. I'm on it right and now. It looks, and, and it looks exactly like it did yeah, it in the 90s. Yeah, it looks like it's on GeoCities or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. GeoCities, right. Yeah. Yep. You know the, the original Space Jam website is still up. Yes, it is. It is. You've touched on messed around with. Well, now you now you have to leave it up because it's... If there's some kind of like secret cult behind that too, because it's like there's probably like hidden messages and stuff on that site. It's like those number stations that you hear about that just broadcast. Ooh, and if, creepy, yeah. Like, yeah, if, if, if the Space Jam website ever goes down, then that means the nuclear launch codes have been put in. Or something along. No, I'm no. going nowhere with this joke, so just continue on. Just... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying really hard here. Legit. You know, number stations are terrifying. There will be, you know, some signs if you know what to look for to pick mm -hmm. up on it. Like I was, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about a particular uh, circus fire mm -hmm. uh, in which a lot of people uh, died because the big top had been fireproofed with gasoline and paraffin because that was just SOP at the time, and. The band leader was the first person to notice the fire when it had started, and he signaled the band to play Stars and Stripes Forever, which was the sign to the rest of the circus, something's going wrong, we need to shut it down. Mm -hmm. So that they wouldn't know what was happening, but if they heard the band play Stars and Stripes Forever, they knew something bad is happening, we should probably leave. Mm. I don't know. But anyway, okay, so... I'm actually castration. trying to do a search right now to find how the extent of the castration as we're talking, but I'm not finding anything to find out how badly these people were castrated. Continue. Go ahead. Is this really what you want to know, Ro? Because the comet and the well, saucer is much you know, more exciting. The more you know. <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> well, I think it also. I think it also would speak to the degree of devotion of the followers, because to be rendered permanently impotent is one thing. But to then have to sit down to pee for the rest of your life, well, that's a pretty big ask. Here's a, here's a question. Um, I forgot where I'm going with this. No, I remembered. Um, sometimes when uh, cult members are asked to do such things to their genitals, it's because the leader, like David Koresh in uh, the Branch Davidians, would take on these guys, women, as his wives. Like it was a way to beta male the cult members, the guys in the cult – but take the women. Is there any indication that uh, that Bo and Pete did this? Did they did they bring the women to them and and subjugate the men? Is that impossibly the reason for the castration? Did they have Apple a large White, supply Apple of feminine napkins? There were only so many people. Uh, well, Ap yeah. Applewhite had been castrated too. So, oh, okay. So then, so that it, sexual thoughts. As with a lot of or of religious groups, uh, they viewed sexual thoughts as unclean, especially since the next level, which is where they were going, the next level was a place devoid of gender. And by mm. that 
the extension of their logic devoid of sex. So to prepare themselves, they were trying to already get in that no sex mindset, which is a lot easier, apparently, if you're castrated. And, you know, I'm, I'm going into I'm going to going to uh, post surgical menopause right now. So I'm like, yeah, that, that scans. Yeah. Sex Did they is do just- anything to the women or was it just the men? Thankfully, there were no reports as far as I found, though it's already been uh, made quite clear that you guys run circles around me in terms of research. But nothing I sh- I found showed any, like, genital mutilation or, or anything crazy or weird or like like the uh, Skopsky cult in Russia where the men castrated themselves by just putting their tallywhacker on a stump and ah, somebody hitting mm, it with an axe. Mm, okay. Oh, we've, yeah. Mm, ah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a woman and yeah, you don't see how crossed. I'm cringing right now. <clears throat> ah. Yeah, we just crossed our legs. Well, they mm-hmm. did, but it wasn't just the men. Because oh, this was one going. of those this was one of those groups where they believed all sex was bad. Like the, mm. the Shakers who were an offshoot of the Quakers and who, you know, sort of just preached themselves out of existence because it's really hard to recruit. You know, there's a finite number of children you can adopt, and after that you have to recruit, and it's hard to convince people, yeah, come over here, uh, you know, help us build furniture and have a sexless existence. Hard sell. But uh, the, the Skopskis <laughs> in, in Russia, the women would also have, like, uh, clitoridectomy. Yeah. But, I don't know why I'm and, cringing, but... Uh. <laughs> well, because it's awful, because that's why. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and also have uh, their nipples or their entire breasts removed. And we're talking about, I think late 1800s or early 1900s so not not happening in a modern surgical suite as i think as i think the axe and stump example probably did illustrate for you wow there's something i'm reading on wikipedia right now members of heaven gate heaven's gate believe that space aliens called luciferians falsely represented themselves to earthlings as god and uh, conspired to keep humans from developing technically advanced humanoids these aliens have spacecraft, time-space travel, it's a TARDIS, telepathy, and increased longevity. They use holograms to fake miracles, carnal beings with gender. They stopped trying to achieve the kingdom of God thousands of years ago. Heaven's Gate believed that they existed... The, exi- the existing, uh, that all existing, I can read really, all existing religions on earth had been corrupted by these malevolent beings. This sounds very similar to uh, Scientology in some ways. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the th- yeah, Thetans, right? Yeah, th- Thetans. Thetans, yeah, right. Yeah. Thetans, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I'm a level 45 acting Thetan right now, even though I think top level is <laughs> nine. Um, so I outrank Tom Cruise. The members, <clears throat> members groups added uh, OD, the first names. They adopted. Okay, so they uh, they added O D Y to their to their names. If you are a member of the church, uh, the first names they adopted in lieu of their original given names, which defines children of the next level. This is mentioned in the Apple White's final video, Dew's final exit. Did you ever watch any of his videos on YouTube? Because they're still up there, where he like stares at the screen. He's got the really creepy the eyes. Yeah, yeah. With, with the the way too close to the camera. Yeah, and the lights the lights are too bright. And, yeah, he doesn't blink uh, and he just kind of stares like. <sighs> I don't know if I ever actively watched one. You should. Somehow, you should. somehow the image is seared all the way into my brain. No, it's. It, I probably, yeah, I, I probably saw some that. of it back yeah. in the ninety. Uh, back in the nineties, my brain is like, yeah, check that file's full. So they decided what? to basically kill themselves to go on to the comet thing. They all wore black jumpsuits, uh, black shoes, as Eric said. Um, I don't remember how they did it. I remember they did. They did it in waves, though. They did it so. They would help the other people that were going or something like that. 
Yeah, they did it in shifts uh, with, by poisoning their uh, applesauce with barbiturates washed down with vodka, both of, both of which, of course, are um, uh, depressants. So they it sort of depressed their respiratory system. But rather than go all at once in, in more of a people's temple kind of situation, they did it in shifts so that the remaining people could help those who had gone on before. And then I guess the last couple of guys didn't get any company or help. Either that or they just pissed They off stayed behind to run the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what they did. That's basically it. They're the ones that are running the website. <laughs> That's it. In my own personal story with Heaven's Gate was that I had a, my own UFO picture up in my office at work. Uh, my girlfriend at the time had, we, we threw a plate, she threw a plate off the roof and took a picture and I put it up in my office and I like to challenge people, what do you think that is? I knew what it was, but I like to actually use that. So people knew me as the UFO guy. So when Heaven's Gate happened, I had a lot of support. Because because they were really worried about me. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not my group. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been castrated and I'm not going out with the Kool-Aid. That's that's what I was I'm talking about. a different about kind of crazy. Before the yeah, show. That's right. Um, that's right. We had Ivan Stang on here from the Church of the Subgenius, who is admittedly a fake religion. They make no qualms about it. They they're, they make fun of all this stuff. But when the heaven, I love the sound of it. The Heavens Thing. Oh, they're 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 actually a lot of fun. I've had them on the show a few times. Um, but their big thing is that um, J.R. Bob Dobbs is this great salesman, and he made a deal with the aliens that if you um, if you spend, I think like I can't remember what the fee is to become a, a member of the Church of the Subgenius, you actually buy yourself a ticket onto the spacecraft. Jehovah One, so when the Earth comes to an end, the aliens will come and pick you up and take you to your own planet, and you buy your way into the afterlife. And there's a, a double your money back guarantee, so if the apocalypse does happen and you don't make it into heaven, then you, you get double your money back. Um, so the problem was is the original end of the world date was sometime in 1998, I believe. Sorry, fellow subgeniuses, if I'm messing this up. If you uh, the, the, When the original end of the world date was supposed to have happened, it never happened. So what they did is they uh, just said, well, the calendar is wrong. So every year on the 5th of July, they celebrate the coming of the aliens. And of course, the aliens don't ever come. So therefore, their calendar is off. And it must be next year that the aliens are coming back or something along those lines. But when this happened, they... Um, Everybody thought that they, they were contacting them saying, hey, are you guys still alive or whatever? Because they thought that this was them. And they're like, no, 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 this isn't us. This didn't happen. You know, what have you. And it was a big it was kind of like a big inside joke that wasn't really a joke. But I guess what happened was that led to this is that um, they got to a point where the church couldn't go any further or anything like that. So that was when they said, all right, well, the end of the world is now here. You know, now we have to do this because the cult had more or less come to its logical end. They couldn't. They couldn't proceed with it anymore, which is what happens to a lot of these kinds of cults. They get to a point where they don't have the doomsday thing actually happen, so they have to propagate something to keep the thing going for the most part. Um, and one of them died of cancer, I believe. I can't remember which one it was. For a while. Okay, or back to Heaven's Gate or in the Church of the Subgenius? Uh, back to Heaven's Gate. Back to Heaven's Church of the Subgenius is still around. Peep. Yeah. Peep died. That's correct. That's what it was. She yeah. died of cancer, I believe it was. Um so, yeah, that's that's how it all kind of went down. But what was the thing about them is they were really big into, like, sci-fi shows, like Star Trek and things like that. So, um, Yeah, this is my favorite part. They were the, the people. This that, is my favorite part of, like, all those people dying, yeah. <laughs> favorite part of people dying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. So what was the thing with the away team? Was that, was that the people that actually decided to kill that, that killed themselves? Are they considered the away team or oh, how did that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just you just you delivered the prestige before you had done the setup. Yes, that the people who were were in the group at the very end and committed suicide were wearing patches that said Heaven's Gate away team. Now, mm-hmm. if you're a sports person, you probably just think about, you know, team that came in to play you no no no. if you're a sci-fi nerd you know that an away team is the group of important characters and one disposable red shirt who mm-hmm. beams down to the alien planet in star trek and i i only learned this when writing uh the episode for for your brain on facts because i thought i had a good handle on heaven's gate from having lived through it um as a teenager so just that they were wearing patches with a star trek reference on it and like a fanficy kind of Star Trek reference. I just like, oh, sometimes the research just gives and keeps right on giving. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that the current uh, Space Force, you know, the new branch of the military, they ripped off the Federation emblem. Oh, so, yeah, very badly. So, so basically, if you want, you could have some fun with it and be like, so this is where Heaven's Gate ended up, another branch of the military. So well, that's something for the conspiracy theorists. I don't have to have fun with it. The fun is writing itself because the Netflix show Space Force Space is Force was using the the name yes. Space Force before Lord Dampnut's administration. That's how we refer to him in, in our house. We do not say his name. We use only the anagram Lord Dampnut. Uh, well but done. they they didn't trademark the they didn't That's trademark right. they the them, phrase Space Force. And so Netflix would have the stronger case for owning the name Space Force, which I started and we will get back to finishing eventually. Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard they asked like them to change the name and Steve Carell and company were like, no, we had it first. Uh, no. <laughs> it is good, though. I'd recommend it. Well, that's just like like the group uh, Lady Antebellum that decided to take the Antebellum out of their name and just call themselves Lady A, and then yes. found out that there was a well-established singer already using the sobriquet and Lady A, her. and they sued, sued her, her to make to yes. give up her own name. Yes, and I hope that they have their asses handed to them because oh, you were you were just on the cusp of doing something good. It was transparent and self-serving, but it was still good. You could have bought this woman out quietly, I'm sure. I'm sure you've got the money for that. But no, yeah. you just had to smear your dick all over it. And, and, <laughs> and I think the worst part of it is the fact that I think Lady A is a black female, too. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. so uh-huh. it's like, okay, great. You dropped you made Antebellum. it as bad as possible. <laughs> yes, but now you've just gone and done the worst public public uh, relations thing you could possibly do in this situation. Yeah. Well. Yeah, all she all they would need for her is like for her to be like a, a handicapped lesbian and they would pretty much have hit their bingo card. <laughs> their bingo card of corporate assholery. <laughs> That's correct. Bonus fact, Heaven's Gate was also the name of the film that bankrupted United Artist Studios and put them out of business because the director insisted on such period accuracy that it tripled the movie's budget. They had to lay um, new gauges of railroad track to use this particular antique train he just had to have. They had to teach over a thousand extras to use old-timey ice skates and to drive uh, wagons and crack whips and things. By the sixth day of filming, they were five days behind schedule. Mm. So that one, that that director put United Artist Studios out of business. Did they choose that name because of that movie, or the, was there a connection between that? There was no indication 
of of a connection. The the movie had no cultural impact, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of like Avatar. I don't care if it's the highest grossing film of all time until like three years ago. Have you ever <laughs> quoted the movie? No. Have you no. have you ever heard anybody <sighs> quote the movie? I'm no, so I, I, sure. I don't. I can't go an hour without a Futurama quote. That's how my husband and I ended up together <laughs> in the first place. Was dropping increasingly obscure Futurama references on the night we met and seeing if the other person was catching them. You know. Oh, that's that's, great. How, that's how we ended up. That's why we had a hypnotoad wedding cake. Um, but <laughs> that is the reason. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I don't think the film Heaven's Gate had a cultural impact that would have led. Uh, Applewhite and Nettles to call their group Heaven's Gate. It's just kind of those two words that Heaven, obviously, and yeah, Gate. I was. Do you know why now. they picked the name? Did Did they ever say why they picked the name? That's something I'm not privy to. I don't know. They might well have. It did not come up in my research, but then again, it wasn't a question I was really um, keen to ask because it was just like, oh yeah, no, I, I accept that. Okay, it's just not very so creative for a UFO call. Of all the questions to ask, you know that would not be that would not would not be one of my curiosities about this situation. I think the re- the reason why I'm interested in it is because UFO groups who believe that aliens are on their way, this savior type of group, uh, they always come up with these space sci-fi type of names. Um, so you would think that instead of saying Heaven's Gate, they would have created some other kind of name instead Heaven's of just saying Rumble. Heaven. Um, maybe or just created something else and just just said it was Heaven, like Ramadan Damadam or something like that. Well, Ramadan's just, a thing, so probably not that. <laughs> you mean like the Raelians? Is that where you're going with this? Is the Raelians? Yeah, just creating a whole we've met new some name, of like Urantia. Yeah, like Urantia. Okay, they don't call it Earth; they call it Urantia. So in, instead of heaven, I'm I'm just curious why they chose heaven as opposed to creating a whole new name for it. That's just interesting to me that they went with a traditional Christian. Uh, Maybe they thought or, it was easier to market. You know, make yeah. it make it make it relatable, make it easy for people to latch on to. Well, it says yeah. everything. Maybe, you want to go to heaven, you need to go to gate to go through the gate to do it, or something like that. You know, it's yeah. got it's it's got appeal to it. You know, it's, it's it says yeah. You know, it's like, yes, in the afterlife, this is where you're going. It pretty much says its own story right there. It's the matter of how you get there, having to get castrated and meet up a comet, you know, at the end of a comet or something like that. And maybe referring. Last question I got about Heaven's Gate. Did Bo and Peep ever claim that they had communications at all? Secret communications or any scripture of any kind? They didn't really. Not that not that I saw. They just sort of knew these things and they had they had some other things that they claimed along the way that didn't make it into like the final version of their uh, ethos. Things like that the uh, Virgin Mary was actually taken up onto a spaceship and impregnated. And that's where Ooh. we got Jesus, you know? Uh, so, so th- th- that's kind of, that was their early work. That was the beta version. Okay. <laughs> the yeah, beta a lot of version. Yeah, a lot of prophets will claim that they're getting their messages from either visions of Mary or Jesus, or if we're going to go over to Eastern religions, sort of like uh, Krishna or or whatever. Um, so I'm just curious, when it comes to UFO cults, you usually get uh, a visitor. Um, Adamski had Orthon. Uh, you got all these other uh, contactees who claim that they were taken up in the spaceships. I was just wondering if Bo and Peep actually had, like, hey, this person visited me in my youth and gave me this prophecy and gave me these instructions, and I'm passing it on to you. Because I don't think that they did. 
I was just wondering yeah. if you turned any of that up. No, it didn't. It didn't come up in my research, and I wonder if that lends more credibility than it detracts. Because I was thinking also calling it Heaven's Gate. Uh, you seem less crazy. <laughs> the OGs. <laughs> we're, we're, we yeah. are the message. Yeah, nobody told us. We just know it. Because it, it, it sounds more normal and only slightly fringe and not totally out there as if you were calling it your, your rancha or whatever, which just sounds like a bad portmanteau for a, <laughs> it's going to be like a recipe on Pinterest that absolutely came from a white woman in the suburbs. I'm looking it, on like, the uh, two Wikipedia packets page. of ranch seasoning this. <laughs> I'm not seeing anything on the Wikipedia, which, you know, the, the source of knowledge, Wikipedia, but I'm not seeing anything on here where it says that they claim that they had contact with anybody. It does say that um, I don't think so either. I didn't Marshall think so either. Applewhite was the son of a Presbyterian minister. So now I can see the relation where where Christianity would fall into this in some way, shape or form, because he had, yep. you know, the background from that to be able to work in this stuff. It says he was a big fan of uh, Heinlein and uh, Arthur C. Clarke and... Uh, Things like that, but it doesn't say anything in here where he talks about how they met up with the aliens to convey this information or whatever. But so since those people are not contactees, it doesn't appear to say anything like that. I, yeah, I don't. I didn't think that they were. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, but um, I don't know if I don't know if we recorded it or not. When I way back a couple of years ago, I was doing research. Um, I go to this website where I get um, National UFO Reporting Center, and they call in, and there's all these phone calls that you can download for free of people calling in and talking about UFO experiences and so forth. And there was a whole bunch of calls on there of people calling the National UFO Reporting Center talking about how they were at a campground, and there was this group of people there that were preaching about UFOs and things like that, and they were recruiting people from campgrounds as they went across the country. That was one of their prime recruiting spots was going to campgrounds. Nothing and doing hinky so. about that. Yeah. So, um, but this is UFO kids get in the van. No kidding. <laughs> Come on. We got candy. But, um, since we are on the topic of, of comets though, you covered another person that claimed that the earth was going to go through the tail of a comet and that was going to be the end of the world that we were going to be exposed to gas or something like that. Do you uh, remember oui, oui, what that was? Monsieur, uh, Camille Flammarion. Uh, Camille Flammarion was a scientific mind, but also open to really unscientific thought. But at least he approached his unscientific thought with, you know, some amount of scientific rigor. Mm -hmm. So Haley's Comet comes up uh, in a lot of of prophecies and a lot of people's overall feeling of of doom. You know, not not just Haley's Comet. A lot of comets do. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, there's the Red Comet that is mentioned once at the beginning and we never hear about again that apparently portends all of the bad things that are about to happen. But Camille Flammarion believed that uh, the tale of Halley's Comet was made of uh, cyanogen, which it is, which is uh, not a good substance to be breathing. So he figured that when the Earth was going to pass through the tail of the comet, which it did, we would all suffocate, which you may have noticed we didn't. Mm. Neither, neither did all of the cars mm. and, and machines come alive like they did in Maximum Overdrive. More's mm. the pity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that movie. Did you know? Well, bonus well, quite a lot of us are having trouble breathing these days. So maybe we'll hold off on whether or not that oh, actually God. happened. <laughs> 
Edit that out, bro. Edit it out. Anyhow, you were saying, Moxie. <laughs> yep. Uh, bonus act about Maximum Overdrive. It is the only film based on a Stephen King book that King himself directed. And this was in the uh, early to mid-80s, I think, when the cocaine flowed fast and free. And he can't remember directing a feature-length film. Oh, yeah. There's books he doesn't oh. remember, remember uh, writing either. Yeah. He's been very blunt yeah. about that. Yeah, he can't remember writing Cujo, but I had no idea he couldn't remember directing Maximum Overdrive. But he played, I believe, the priest in a funeral for Maximum Overdrive. That was in uh, Pet Cemetery. Apparently, I don't remember that. And, okay. and Maximum Overdrive, he was trying to get money out of the ATM machine. The ATM machine was calling him an asshole. And he looked at his oh, wife and he's like, okay, yeah. yeah, now you remember, honey, this machine's calling me an asshole. And it started spitting stuff out at him and stuff. This machine just called me an asshole. You've got one in here. This is a fairly short one, too, because we're coming up on the end of the show here, which uh, you've got a person that uh, Dorothy Martin, 54-year-old housewife from Oak Park, Illinois, that claimed that she was getting messages from the planet Clarion beamed into her head. Ah, uh, yes. And and that uh, that they would all ascend... On Christmas Eve, which is a, a nice time, you know, to get the group together and all witness the end of the world, you know, or the end of the holiday shopping season, you know, whichever. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, that she was having messages beamed directly into her brain from an alien planet, which apparently makes her the uh, good person to follow spiritually. But if she said the CIA was doing it, you demand to know when her next medication is. But uh, her, <laughs> uh, she believed that uh, another flood was coming, another great flood, which would destroy the world. And of course, only her band of believers would be spared. And she did attract a small following of people who call themselves uh, seekers. And the seekers were fully invested in the end of the world, as we see in a, a lot of the examples from the, uh, this episode. People quit their jobs, they sold all their stuff, they ran up huge credit card bills because, you know, life's fun when you don't think there are any consequences for anything. Mm. They also had to remove any metal from their bodies. So maybe they had to go through an MRI scanner to get on the ship. She didn't say. But um, they all gathered at Martin's home on uh, Christmas Eve of 1955, having a good old fashioned sing song while they waited to be beamed to safety. And they waited. And they waited and just shy of five in the morning, when it was clearly obvious that this was not going to happen, uh, Dorothy Martin announced that uh, God had spoken to her and he had been so impressed by their devotion that he wasn't going to destroy the world after all. So, shoo, go home. Wow. Mm. So, again, you, you get to this point where it's like, well, the gig is up. What do I need to do now? You know, how do I... How do I carry on with this? And I was saying before the show, before you came on, I am the kind of guy that wants to be at one of these gatherings when nothing happens. I want to be the asshole that sits there and is like, ha, 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 and just laugh at people. I know that's bad. That's really bad of me to do that. But Well, there were outsiders among the seekers, though they played it a little bit cooler than that uh, because there were uh, psychologists and students from the University of Minnesota uh, among the seekers to kind of uh, observe them, uh, one of them being uh, social psychologist Leon uh, Festiner, who wrote a book about the ordeal when prophecy fails. I was just going to bring that up. I was just yep. going to go, what are we going to talk about? What happens when that happens? Yeah. Yep. Examining yep. cognitive dissonance, which is when you okay. have 
two disparate ideas clashing in your head and you feel really uncomfortable until you can find some way, some explanation to make them mesh together. Mm -hmm. So Festinger observed cognitive dissonance very plainly in The Seekers because Christmas Eve wasn't the first date this was supposed to happen. It was the fourth. So these people had stuck with Martin through three other failed uh, raptures, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he he watched the seekers having to repeatedly convince themselves that Martin was right, even after being there firsthand to witness that she wasn't. Well, you had the same thing happen with Harold Camping and his ordeal. Um, oh, but that one's that one's sad though, because you can watch the uh, you can watch on YouTube a poor follower who gave his entire life savings uh, to help camping and and what's it called family radio i think his yeah. network was called to help them spread the word about the end of days just i guess to warn the non-believers more so than than recruiting them mm-hmm. but th- this one poor guy who really believed and he gave up a hundred and fifty thousand dollars his whole retirement and and he was there on times square and he was like ready and it didn't happen well, that and lots of people did that. Lots and lots of people gave up everything. Like one family gave up their child's college fund and everything. So, like, you're not going to college. You don't need this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how smart are your parents? I mean, still, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I mean, part of me feels bad for these people, but at the same, like that, that's a different story. Like that, that family gave up their child's college fund and everything. So the child is screwed because of the parents doing, you know, believing what they believe in this, this whole ordeal. But the people who, have taken their money and sold their home and sold everything and, and just for this to happen and then boom, they have nothing. It's kind of like, I mean, I, I want to laugh at them, but I understand that's not, that's not the cool thing to do. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, how could you not see this? Because that happened to Harold Camping over and over and over again, even over after the last again. one. Yeah. He was like, no, I believe it happened, but it was a spiritual thing and it wasn't a physical thing. And he was still trying to backpedal his way out of it right up to the very end. You know, and he had this crazy mathematical equation and all this, like, the number, like you, you pointed out in your okay, show. Can I run, can I run down the math? Because yeah, sure. Go for it. It's crazy. Now, now, I'm not, I'm not terrific with the maths. Uh, I'm one of, uh, six daughters, half blonde like mom and half brunette like dad. Interestingly, the brunettes can do math like dad could. The blondes, algebra, we were allowed to fail. That was the only bad mark you could get on your report card. But even I can look at this math and be like, no. No. So, Harold Camping began his calculations by assigning April 1st, 33 CE, as the date of the crucifixion. I do not know how he arrived at that. If if one of your gentle listeners does know, please call us here at the studio. He then took... April Fool's Day. Basically. Uh, he, <laughs> then, he then took the number... That should have been a sign right there. Yeah. He, he then got really numerological. He took the number 17, which stood for heaven, 10, which stood for completeness, and 5 for atonement. There was one Bible verse that mentioned uh, half a shekel or 0.5 shekel. So 5 must mean atonement. And then he multiplied those numbers together, and then he squared that, which gives you uh, 722,500 which he said was the number of days between the April 1st, 33 CE crucifixion and the second coming. To his credit, he did account for leap years. But in none of my research about camping or anyone else, 
particularly all these people who had to revise their predictions, did it say whether or not they accounted for the shift of the Julian calendar, where 11 days just ceased to exist? Uh, and I forget what the other thought I had was. I sorry, I have some memory issues. In addition to the menopause, in addition to the menopause and being a natural blonde, I also got struck by lightning about nine years ago. So sometimes what? the files wow. are just four oh four. All right, we're going to go with that story and begin. Yes, yeah, struck by lightning. <laughs> I Actually, used to. Well, I'd be happy to tell you if you'd like to. Sure. I want somebody uh, struck by lightning. I want to hear about it. Yeah. Did it hurt? That's the obvious question. Somewhat. Or, or uh, I didn't. Powers now. I I can kvetch <laughs> at incredible volumes. Um, no, I didn't get one of the cool scars. Thankfully, it was a secondary strike, but that had downsides of its own. I w- used to raise goats, and I make goat milk soap and skincare products. That's how I made my living. And I was under a torrential summer, late afternoon rainstorm because no matter what time I try. You can't meet, you can't avoid the rain. It's always going to rain the heaviest on you while you're milking the goats. So might as well just get out there. And I'm standing there with my hand on idly on the fence, yelling at a goat named Cyanide to come out of the barn, which Wait, she the won't goat's do. name was Cyanide? <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Every year. We had a different theme naming the baby goats, and that year happened to be this deadly poison. Stories within stories, I love it. <laughs> oh, my God, Go that ahead. year See, happened like, to be deadly poisons. Eighty-two. We we had kept a uh, little does named um, cyanide, curare, and antimony, uh, but I sold the other two. I just had cyan at that point. But while I'm fussing at cyan, who is just looking at me like, "No, turn off the sky water, and then we'll talk." I heard this crack over my head, which is like the loudest sound I had ever heard. And as I was falling into the mud, I had three distinct thoughts in an instant, as your brain can sometimes do. Stupid electric fence. I haven't had that plugged in in a month. I think Ooh. I've just been struck by lightning. And I may have lost consciousness for a brief second or two, no real amount of time. And I get up and I glare at the goat and, and unleash some <laughs> choice the goat's <laughs> If she had if she had come when I called her, I wouldn't have been standing there with my hand on the fence. It was 100% the goat's fault. Sure. My, my half of the lightning strike was anyway. Because what had happened was the lightning had hit the house, lit it on fire, and dissipated out through the mud to where I was standing with my hand idly on the fence. So I'm like, you know what? You can just get mastitis. I don't care anymore. I can't close my hand. You know, I'm annoyed. I'm wet. I'm going inside. I'll come back for you guys when the rain's over. And I'm approaching the laundry room door, back door of the house, and I see light in the room, and I'm like, oh, my husband can never turn the light off in the laundry room. But it's not usually orange, wavy, which is when I open the door and discover that the wall between the kitchen and laundry room was on fire. So that was kind of a nuisance. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't my first fire. So unlike a lot of folks, I actually had a, a foundation of experience on which to draw, which made the cop that was kind of keep, who was the first person to arrive on scene was this cop with a fire extinguisher. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> what good that was going to do. And I just kept saying, being annoyed, like, I just got the kitchen how I wanted it. And now oh, it's messing up the guest room. And ma'am, look ma'am, at me, you like, were just struck by lightning, okay? And I'm like, ma'am, <laughs> this does not even peg the needle. 
around here. Okay. Like the husband I had at the time had had four spinal surgeries and yeah, this is my second house fire. I, I got it. I, I can handle this. Okay. The fire department rarely gets repeat business because some of the guys are like, didn't we come out here about seven years ago? I'm like, yeah, right before Christmas. Yeah. Because, um, my 15 year old Himalayan cat many years ago had decided that she wanted to be where the oil lamp was. So the oil lamp had to go onto the carpet. <laughs> Catch the dining room and, on her. and then she, and she just comes t- trotting to the other end of the house and curls up under the desk. Like nothing's wrong. Like she didn't just set my goddamn house on fire a week before <laughs> Christmas. So, so Moxie, you said that you're a writer. You've been writing, right? Uh, I have written. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, there is there is a Your Brain on Facts book. It is an offshoot of the podcast, naturally speaking, though two thirds of the stuff in the book have never and will never be on the podcast. So you can only get them in written form, which I recommend. Please check with your local bookseller first from a safe distance because they mm. need your love now more than ever. Is there anything well, in that book that you'd like to cover on the show that you can talk about if you want to put a story out there or something like that? Would you like to talk about hyena clitorises? Uh, sure. Why oh not? Oh, my God. Yes. We just talked about. Yes. Yeah, we did general mutilation already with humans. Might as well go to hyenas and work our way down. That's yes. Okay. Yes, because most men have a hard time finding a clitoris on their own, let alone a hyena clitoris. Because <laughs> well, I would desperately like to pleasure my hyena. Oh, well, you Lord. would have no problem. That's the, you made the most beautiful segue for me. You have no idea. You would have yeah, no problem finding. <laughs> you would have no problem finding the clitoris of the spotted hyena or the laughing hyena. So, I want you to keep the image of the uh, hyenas from The Lion King in the back of your brain while I'm talking, just for more cognitive dissonance. This is really unusual porn, but okay, I'm there. Let's go. Rule 34B: If it exists, there's porn of it. No, that's just rule 34. So rule 34B is if there exists, there's a burlesque routine of it, which was what my life was for about seven years. We're um, talking about that at the end of this, by the way. Yeah, we're, we're, the hook we'll cir- we will circle back around to that. But the spotted hyena is um, sexually dimorphic. So the females are larger than the males, generally speaking. But they also have a pseudo penis. Their clitoris, which is somewhat different from the clitoris of a human being, uh, can be larger than the male's actual penis and can even have a little pouch of skin at the back that looks like a scrotum to the point where researchers who have an anesthetized hyena in front of them aren't 100% sure if it's a male or a female. It can be really hard to tell. But that's not the metal part of this because spotted hyenas are totally metal. To mate... The male must, mounting from behind, as canids do, get his penis into the pseudo-penis of the female. And I wish you could see the hand gestures that I'm making to attempt to illustrate how you would get, like, basically telescoping fire hoses, but you've got to do it front and the I'm thinking of the porn kink called docking. Yeah, it's a little bit like docking, but also it's like docking. Like what docking, the hell are we talking about here, bro? You're going to Google it later. It's, it's called docking. It's on Urban Dictionary. No, okay, okay, go ahead. Right. I'm just the vision. The visions that are going through everybody's brains right now as they're listening to this show. Just continue. We're here. We're we're, I, we're in this journey I, now. 
may I define docking to him in my NPR? No, I know. Voice? I know what docking is. I, I understand oh, what God, docking yes, is. <laughs> define it. Yes, do it. Well, docking is the sexual practice of inserting a penis or a penis-like object into the urethra of a penis. Well done. Well hyenas. done. Yes, back to hyenas. I, what is the point of having what is the point of having the radio voice my mother trained us all to use if I can't use it for disturbing information? Wow. But, you know, this is going to be funny because your listeners are going to come over to this podcast because I know how your show is. Your show is very clean cut, very you know, I mean, you're, you're very, you're very. Oh, PG oh no, no, no! They know that when I leave the confines of the show, my mother listens to. The gloves are off. If they've ever followed me onto another show, they, they get to see a bit more of the real Moxie. Yeah, than they really, do we're getting on my show. Wow. Okay, I, I need to just do a whole show of you of nothing but stories because you've got them. But please continue. Carry on. Oh man. When, when we get to the tour later, I have some horror stories that would really fill up an hour, as everyone who's ever been on tour does, I'm sure. But, okay, so, yeah, docking, but you have to accomplish it from behind the person that you're penetrating. So, ha- imagine that working. But then, wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> <laughs> the pseudopenis is, is, also contains the spotted hyena's vagina, meaning she has to give birth through it she has to pass a two pound two or three pound cub down the length of her pseudo penis so basically like like trying to get a golf ball out of garden hose and yeah no we're not doing that it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> oh no she's on a roll we're going there <laughs> no, no, no 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 i mean i mean if this was the way that the human race was uh happening we there wouldn't be a human extinct. race yeah we'd be extinct so yeah, yeah. there wouldn't have, so, been, wouldn't have been a human race at all <laughs> but but it, it, it doesn't work all that well uh it has been measured that the uh spotted hyena can have a maternal mortality rate of up to 40 percent because the cubs can get entrapped and then bad stuff happens. The best case scenario is that the pseudopenis tissue tears enough ah, to accommodate to accommodate the cub. So, ah. so, 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 so basically a stillborn is because it couldn't get out of the urethra of the penis. If you, if, if, if at that point you're still able, the mother is able to expel it. Yeah. Cause otherwise it'll just, Oh, kill, kill her. She'll just get to die slowly of sepsis. Oh. But, but if the pseudopenis does tear and, and she is able to birth the cub, her next cub will be easier to give birth to because the scar tissue actually stretches more <clears throat> than the non-scar tissue. <laughs> so know, as a writer, I've been <laughs> writing down some things because I love opening lines. An opening line generally sells a book or it doesn't and here's the three that i currently have this is the goat's fault here's why (laughs) this wasn't my first fire and this is my favorite part about all those people dying (laughs) yeah that's that's my resume (laughs) right i'm gonna get a hyena in here very soon continue please Well, you see, that's the totally metal thing about hyena penises. <laughs> have I, I, I pretty much have laid down just a path of golden bricks for you. You need to only oh, pick up one. Oh, it's extraordinary. <laughs> Where do well people done. find this book if they want to learn about hyena clitorises and other strange things? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> this is one of the most bizarre shows I have done in recent history. <laughs> Hands down. Well, that's sad. Not at all ex- ex- did I expect to go into this direction anywhere remotely, but I'm okay with this. This is fine. This is this is would radio you, gold. Would you like to hear about the man who went to great uh, lengths to prove that yellow fever isn't contagious? Sure. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that, that'll work right yes. now. Hold on. It's one of my other favorite things uh, from the book is the story of Stubbins Firth. Stubbins Firth was a doctor who was convinced that yellow fever was not contagious person to person, and he was going to prove it by ingesting the bodily fluids of people with yellow fever. He started by taking the vomit of a yellow fever patient and rubbing it into cuts he had made on his arm. When that didn't give him yellow fever, he was like, okay, I'm definitely on to something. So he took to putting it in his eyes, to eating it, to to filling a sauna-like contraption with vomit fumes and sitting in it for as long as he could stand to. Uh, he said that it did leave him with a headache, but he didn't get yellow fever. So he just felt like cock of the walk, and he put out a book about how yellow fever isn't contagious, which, spoiler alert, it totally is, but it requires a vector in this case, a mosquito. So he ate that vomit for nothing. Oh, boy. D- do you enjoy your job? Do you, do you, I mean, Immensely. <laughs> so much. How, how, did you, how did you get into podcasting? At what point did you say, this stuff is bizarre. I need to put this out there as a podcast. My what? brain has always been full of random garbage like this. And there's not always a good time for it. So like when I'm scanning someone's groceries at the grocery store, they might not want to hear about how avocados have giant seeds because they used to be redistributed by prehistoric ground sloths. That's why they're so big. They just want me to ring up the damn avocado and let them leave. My husband, after much wearing down, Hang got on a me minute. To- let me write that down. Can you say it one more time? No, go. No, I'm just kidding. Go continue. Uh, after after That's much extraordinary. effort. After much effort, my uh, husband got me to listen to podcasts because I had a lot of misconceptions. I had all the misconceptions. I didn't know where to find them. I wasn't 100% sure what they were. How do you find a good one? I thought they would be boring. I thought you had to stop everything and pay attention. Thank God that's not the case. Um, (laughs) But he put on um, an episode of Unorthodox, the universe's leading Jewish podcast, which both Jew and Gentile alike should definitely check out. And I'm like, okay, podcasts are cool. What else you got? And then after subscribing to 125 that first week, I was like, you know what? I could do a podcast because there are, um, there's a, there was a good podcast, a trivia show called Good Job Brain. I really like the YouTube channels. Um, half is interesting. And today I found out, I'm like, oh yeah, we'll just mash all these things up and use all of my useless facts. It'll be a really good way to vent this information safely, except I failed to realize that researching and writing a seven-page script each week was just going to put more shit in my brain. Mm-hmm. So backfired Ooh. on me. But yes, that's that. Well, how it all came about. My attempt to find a safe outlet for all of the random factual nonsense in my brain. All right. Well, we're coming up on the end here. Eric, what did you want to ask her before we went? There, there was something that you wanted to talk to her about before we let her go. Was it was it the burlesque stuff or? Absolutely. Yeah. When I when I took a look Boy, at it. Boy, did you the, jump on that fast? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I have it up on a web browser. Uh, when I looked at your um, bio. In preparation for the show, I noticed that you were able to do not only a burlesque show, 
for Game of Thrones, but for George R.R. Martin himself. And I really want to hear about that. Yeah. It was my distinct privilege to produce the only George R.R. Martin approved Game of Thrones burlesque tribute show. I wasn't, we weren't the only one. We weren't the oldest one even, but we were just the one who tripped and landed in butter and got the man's official blessing. Um, I did a small regional tour of the show because we were having so much fun. We didn't want to stop it one night. We wanted to just keep doing it. Uh, and one of the performers was in a burlesque show at a con that Mr. Martin was speaking on a panel at, which maybe he could finish the book if y'all would stop demanding he show up at cons and award shows and shit. Leave him alone. Um, just an old man. Get off his back. And uh, she was doing her Melisandre, her red woman routine, and he asked to talk to her after the show. And she told him about our little tour. And uh, I have his cell phone number now on the business card. It's amazing. Like, and you're, and you're the not mother, sure the mother of all. Is... No, no, no. I couldn't. I, <laughs> no, where, don't, whereas don't. I had the opportunity for the mother of all uh, drunk texting. Um, yeah, I, don't, don't. I, I never could. <laughs> I never did bring myself to call it because I was afraid that like he himself would answer rather than like an assistant. Because I wouldn't mind if I thought in a, if it, an assistant was going to answer. But I was afraid this was his direct number. And the last thing I wanted to do was bother him. So you know, I, I never, ever used the number. But he invited us out to his theater in Santa Fe. He saved a uh, an Art Deco single screen 100 seat movie theater from being demolished and had it refurbished. And it's gorgeous. It's called the, the Jean Cocteau. And he invited us out to to do the show in his theater, which was, of course, amazeballs. So we toured we, we toured our way from uh, the East Coast out to Santa Fe and, and back again. We made a little documentary of it called The King's Road. So I also got to, in addition to putting together a national tour by myself, uh, then immediately thereafter got to teach myself video editing to make a 90-minute documentary because I don't know why I do these things really, but... Um, Yes, it was amazing. So just in the tiny little emergency exit walkway at the front of this little movie theater, we got to to do our show. And Mr. Martin is a genuinely very nice guy, kind of on the shy, quiet side. Uh, he has a um, smoked glass booth in the back so that he can be watching the movies or special events without being bothered because he gets absolutely mobbed uh, every time people mm. see him. Yeah, I can but, see that. The the highlight of the evening was probably my husband, who performs under the name Dante the Inferno, <laughs> doing a routine as George R. R. Martin in front of George R. R. Martin. Because it's very rare in a nerdlesque show Not at all meta. to do <laughs> Yeah, because you, you do the characters. You dress up as the characters. You don't do acts as the author. And this was his second George R. R. Martin act. Uh, the first one, he did his act in a rolling office chair, and he had a chessboard set up in the middle of the uh, stage where he just rolls past it in between clothing strips and throws you know, chess pieces away, killing all the characters. This one, we'd seen a clip from one of the late night talk shows where it's like, we go now to George R. R. Martin, hard at work on the book. And it's some guy dressed as him jumping on a backyard trampoline. So we got one of those little <laughs> living room. Well done. So we we got one of those little living room aerobics trampolines and he did his whole routine while jumping on that little trampoline to Todd Rundgren's bang the drum. I don't want to work. I just want to play on the drum all day. Uh, so he had, he had the beard, the Greek fisherman's cap, the padded belly, the whole, the whole night and did his whole routine while bouncing up and down on the trampoline. At one point he ha uh, has a heart attack 
and then gives himself chest compressions and hops back up because Mr. Martin's also sick to death of people asking what's going to happen if you die before you finish. And he's yeah, taken to just giving people that. the finger. Which <laughs> 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 I think is fair. You know. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you what. Um, the end of Game of Thrones, the HBO television show, was it's not, not satisfying. Fault. Yeah, it wasn't satisfying for a lot of people, which I think is really good because it means that he's going to sell books when he finishes because we want a satisfying ending. Yeah, he so already said he was going to change it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. it's going to satisfy everybody. We're going to be able to enjoy the books because we weren't satisfied with the HBO show. So, Well, some people I think will have had such a vile taste in their mouth from the end of season eight that they might be off it altogether because I'm sure that there were some people who, when reading the books, got to the Red Wedding and jumped ship. Like uh, our our MC Ego von Hubris, uh, he had been reading the books many you know many years ago and got to the Red Wedding and he lived in Maine and then this was in late winter, early spring, and he got to the Red Wedding and he threw his copy of the book outside into the snow. And yeah, I, I was pretty pissed. I was expecting UFOs and hyena clitorises, but it just <laughs> it never presented itself. So I, I was like, to hell with this. You know, I mean, the zombie battle was really cool, but I, I didn't see one hyena penis anywhere in not there at all. Not one. Not yeah. one. Not, it was, it's, it, hey, bro, it's an Easter egg in the DVD editions. Just yes, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But um, anyways. Here we, it's next, yep, it's here, next and to here the we are. Step. So this is uh, the chance in the show where I give you to promote anything you want to promote. Where can people find you, your podcast? Where can people find your books? All of that kind of stuff. Well, after you've gone through the entire back catalog of this show, you can uh, use that same app to look for Your Brain on Facts or follow me through yourbrainonfacts.com. Get the Your Brain on Facts book. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard in an auditory sort of sense, I also do voice work and I will offer you a special rate. As a listener of this fine program, if your company needs any voice work, you can just email me at yourbrainonfacts at gmail.com. Thank you very much, for Moxie, for coming on here and telling these stories and making us laugh and having the very cool podcast that you have. I, I would have to say, oh, God, ever since you sent me that email, it's been like it was it was a real struggle to figure out what, what show am I going to do with you? Because I was like, we'll do this. No, we'll do this. No, we'll do this. I ended up picking this one because of the coronavirus and everybody being on edge right now. But um, this show has certainly probably relieved some of that. But um, again, thank you very much for coming on here and talking to us. This has been a real lot of fun. This definitely went in directions that I wasn't expecting it to go. And it's probably become one of the most batshit crazy shows we have done in quite some time. And that's okay. I'm good with that. I like that. So, and this was me being reserved and well-behaved, too. I have a feeling I'm going to be bugging you again down the road just to have you come on here and do this again. And, um, hey, Ro. Please do. Please yes. do. Hey, Ro. Yes. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Inquisition. <laughs> and nobody expects hyena penises <laughs> being clitorises, being penises, giving birth through such things. I, I would have to go back and listen to it just to find out exactly how hyenas would give birth. I, I never expected to hear the definition <laughs> of docking in a million years be presented on go. this show. And and we you're, got you're that welcome. in space. Thank you, Moxie. Nice of course, if you, if, well you do, if you do want to get the full skinny on Spotted Hyena Mating, get your copy of Your Brain on Facts. The full title is Your Brain on Facts, Things You Didn't Know, Things You Thought You Knew, and Things You Never Knew, You Never Knew. Takes up the whole front cover. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks thank you for having me. It was great fun. Cheers. Hello, everyone. Let me tell you about the Apple for the Teacher podcast. 
I'm Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So you're probably thinking it's about reading, writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime, where you wouldn't expect to find true crime. In schools, yes, schools. You will hear tragic stories about murder, abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, suicide, kidnap and ransom, a school camp tragedy, the list goes on. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So join me as I present the bad apples. But until then, remember to be a good apple. Hi there, I'm Logan. And I'm Lindsay. And we host the new podcast, Folklore on the Rocks, where we talk about folklore and lesser-known creatures, cryptids, and monsters from around the world. When we say lesser-known, we mainly mean that we won't be covering creatures like Bigfoot or Nessie or Chupacabra, just because they're discussed so often, and the world just has so many other awesome options to draw from. Every two weeks, we'll be diving deep into the legends and culture that surround a specific creature, and getting a bit tipsy as we do so. But don't worry, we do our research sober. (laughs) On the weeks in between, we'll be narrating and discussing folk tales. So some will be historical folklore from the regions that our creatures are from, and some will be more like modern folklore, like no sleeps and creepypastas. You can find out more about us on our website, FolkloreOnTheRocks.com, on Facebook and Instagram at FolkloreOnTheRocks, and Twitter at at FolkloreRocks. So come on, grab a drink, join us, and let's dig deep together. So yeah, that was Moxie. That was a lot of fun. I did not at all expect things to go the way that they did. I really think that Chick's got a lot of great stories, and and I'm gonna have her back on, and I'm gonna have you here for that because that was uh that was all all the way around pretty cool, pretty weird, pretty. Funny. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Absolutely not not at all what either one of us were expecting to go in those directions. And I think <laughs> next time she's on here and we don't have this, because what's going to happen? I'm going to be like, hey, listen, why don't you come back on? I want you to go through and pick an hour's worth of material. And I'm going to tell her, make it weird. Let's go weird. And I don't think she's going to have a damn bit of problem making it weird because she made it weird without even trying to make it weird. That got weird. That got really weird. I, well, I think I think we were feeding off each other, quite frankly, yeah. uh, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, like, like encouraging, please jump, fight, fight. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> And plus, I think she was having a really good time just being able to talk about hyena clitorises. I really think she got a kick out of us cringing every time she brought up mentioning cutting off testicles and things like that. And, uh, uh, yeah, it happens. I just tweeted about it, about this. I just did what she was asking. I hope this is good. Yeah, that was great. Um, go check out her website, yourbrainonfacts.com. Subscribe to her podcast. It's great. It really is. It's very professionally produced and very well run. It's almost on the verge of an NPR kind of production podcast she does really really good production and she does really good work on putting the show together i'm not sure if she produces it or somebody else produces it but it's really cool now that we've got her out of the way let's get to you it's the new book you got coming out now i actually have three books you read my second chasing disclosure my ufo book the newest one coming out is called chasing magic and what it is is the universe i created in chasing disclosure i had some more stories to tell And so what I did is instead of creating a part two, I decided to create a whole bunch of short stories that took place in that universe. Uh, That's coming out September 9th. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, you could read it in an evening. It's only about 120 pages. What do the stories pertain to in there? I'm assuming they pertain to magic since it's called Chasing Magic. Well, it, it actually has to do mainly with um, um, Arthur C. Clarke, who said that in advanced civilization, their technology would be no different than magic for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's since my Chasing Disclosure book talked about advanced technologies that were coming to Earth. This one is now called Chasing Magic, which refers to these advanced technologies that um, the characters are interacting with. And they can't – if you read a lot of UFO stories, it's almost as if they're interacting with an angelic being, a god of some sort, because we can't – we don't know what the, they are. So the characters in Chasing Magic, um, every story is them interacting with UFO or being of some sort or an abduction type story and um, it's magical to them because I can't quite explain it and it's just an advanced technology to, to the reader but to the character yeah do you have a website well I, I do it's Eric Wojo E-R-I-C-W-O-J-O dot WordPress dot com. I have a lot of free stories I have links to all my essays uh, some of them most of them are not behind a paywall right now so i write about religion i write about politics i write about ufos um you'll find links to all of those and then i've got some free short stories there as well uh so if you're interested in how i write uh, nonfiction as well as fiction uh, there uh, you'll find it there at, the, at my website and then you'll also find links to my books at amazon and wherever they uh, sell uh, books elsewhere like um i got my smash words too if you have an e-reader, especially an old e-reader, if mm-hmm. you haven't updated in 15 years or so, you could download a copy that will fit that e-reader through Smashwords. I do want to do another show with you talking about the, the current state of all the weirdness going on with UFOs and these videos mm-hmm. have been released and all of these different things. Me and you get into these weird, fascinating conversations that very frequently I find myself getting, saying, God, I wish we had the microphone cooked up and going right now to be mm. able to talk about this stuff. There's really no excuse for why I haven't had you back on here more often. It's just been a matter of timing and so forth. So uh, we're going to be setting up another show again, that's for sure. I think that's pretty much everything. The the whole hyena clitoris thing uh, coupled with <laughs> yeah, everything else that, that we went to. It is, is my, my brain is just cooked right now. I really don't know. I didn't do it for you. Docking, docking wasn't, yes, that was another doc- one. Um, Doc wasn't your animo. Yeah, I mean, that was just not not at all a direction. Like, after the last couple of shows I've done, I, that was just not the direction I was expecting to go into. And she's just so blasé about it. She's like, do you want to talk about hyena clitorises? And I'm like, how do you go from end of the world to hyena clitorises to burlesque R.R. Yeah. Martin? And she did send us pictures of her wedding cake with the hypnotoad. Um, oh, yeah. Cupcake wedding cake and the actual presentation she did for R.R. Martin. I, that must be her. That name must be her burlesque name that she did. That's the only thing I can I think of. We didn't ask that. No, yeah. but that'll yeah, be something we, for we next have time. On, again, just ask that. Like the chick gets struck by lightning and then she walks in the house and sees that her house is on fire and she's not even phased <laughs> by the fact that she just got blasted by Thor. Right. You know, from a goat named Cyanide. I'm like, what the what the fuck is this? You know, like, yeah, yeah cyanide, cyanide and my two rabbits named uh, Pap and Schmear, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my cow, Sir Loin of Beef. <laughs> this is my horse, Sir Osis of Liver. <laughs> oh, good what Lord. the hell? <laughs> 
So anyways, oh. I guess we're, we're going to call this good. Um, I always close the show out the same way. You can say whatever you want, but this is Rojan from Detroit. Peace out, folks. Right. This is Eric Wojciechowski. You pronounce it just uh, where's your house key or just Eric Wojo is just fine. We'll see you next time. Thank you much. Cheers for having me. Peace, folks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>